2 Samuel chapter 7, it says, Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your hearts, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt. To this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the names of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him. And with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. God, we love you. Father, today I praise you for your word. The promises that we have, have read today, the promises that we know have been fulfilled Father, we look to you today, the author and finisher of our faith, that, God, you would call us to realness in you, that, Father, we would put down roots and make you our home, and that, Lord, today, as we're reading about this life of David, we see the very, very big point that I hope we all take from here today, is that a life that is truly blessed, a life that is truly glorifying you, is found when you are in the center of our life. God, would you bless us today as we study this, this beautiful passage of Scripture. And Lord, we know today that you are a God who is you're the same yesterday and today and forever. So Lord, we know that through your words that we have read today, we know that God, you are wanting to bless us. You're wanting to use us. And Lord, you're wanting to be seen glorified through us. We ask this 
in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. Today, you know, as we're here, I'm just thinking of, of all the things that this church could do. I'm thinking about all the things that you and I as believers in Jesus could do. No doubt, as we're sitting here today, I, there's probably a lot of y'all that just sit and dream, right? There's mission trips you want to go on. There's ministries within the church that you want to go on. There's, there's different maybe music that we may want to try to sing. Uh, you, you see what I'm saying? There's, there's dreamers within the church. At the same time, there are those who never dream because they never put Christ in the center of their life. Their dreams are of the things of this world. And at one time, David, he was dreaming about a kingdom for himself. And we know how that went. He was going out and he was being a bandit for a foreign king. But when he gets right with the Lord, when he, when he solidifies his faith in God and puts God at the center of his life, we start seeing things happen. He starts orchestrating national worship within his people. Just a few chapters before, the, the Israelites were cowered in fear from the Philistines. They were scared. They were living in bondage of their own accord, of what they had started. And David, when he puts God in the center and he starts drawing people to God, there begins to be a place of worship. And now they're reaching a part where, where David is, he, he says, you know, I, I need to put this Ark of the Covenant, this symbol that's real and symbolic and all that in one, I need to put this symbol in a, in a house of cedar. And he tells Nathan, and Nathan's like, hey, yeah, you should probably do that. But then he goes home and, and the Lord speaks to him. You know what I love about this story is that when God puts a desire and a will in our heart and then he, he, he shows it through other people that it's his will, there's no better place to be than to be in the will of God today. And I, and I see it all the time. Some of you will come up and say, hey, we need to do this and we'll do it. And it just like flourishes. You see all the boxes on the side here. Our person Christmas child was just a, a thought and a whim a few years ago, and now we're, we're doing big things. And this is just the beginning, church, of spreading the gospel around the world. It was a few years ago, we're on a Sunday morning, you might, you, we might do good to get 30 or 35. Do you remember that, Jim? I mean, you might, you might have you know, some people in here. We would have Bible studies, and everyone would always sit on the southern side of the sanctuary because we're Southern Baptists. We couldn't feel both sides. You would only have one side of the, of the sanctuary partially filled. But now look around you. You see what God is doing? This is not the work of your pastor or your deacons. This is the work of God working in the hearts of people. And this past week when I was, I was just sitting there praying that God would just, you know, I was praying for my one. And God sent me another one. He's like, well, this one, I've got a little more work to do on him, so here's you another one. And I had a wonderful conversation with a man who was just going through stuff. And he said, you know, I don't know why I'm going through all of this. And I said, here's the problem. And I, and I know this is true because it's true for me. That whenever I'm the most anxious, I've got the most anxiety, I've got the most stuff in my life, it's when I'm not close to God. And God uses terrible things sometimes in our life to draw us back. He'll use that in order that we'll turn back to him. David had learned that lesson today. We see that. And so we understand today that God needs to be in the center of our life. Is that right, church? God needs to be in the center of our life. It doesn't just need to be a passing, passing phase with us. We need to have Christ as the center of our life in everything that we do. Tonight when we're packing boxes, church, we need to be taking time to focus on truly what our power is, and that is in God. 
I was talking with a brother this week. And he was saying, you know, I've, I've been reading the Bible. The Bible's been so good to me. It's been blessing my heart. But my friends, they laugh at it. My friends, they put me down because of it. And I told him, I said, he's like, what do I do? I says, here's what you do. You keep reading it. You keep telling them about what you're reading in it. Because the thing is, is that the same God that saved you can save them. That's putting God at the center of your life, church. That we understand that the Word of God, now everybody, look at this. The Word of God is not just a book, amen? These are actually God-breathed words that were given to us to bring us life. The Bible teaches us that the Word of God, and that's where our faith grows. That when we're reading it, we're hearing it, we're studying it, our faith grows there. Our faith doesn't grow through works. Our works just prove what God's done in our life. And I encouraged my brother. I said, hey, continue in the faith. <clears throat> continue in what God has called you to. Because when you follow hard after God, when he is the center of your life, there's going to be some things happen. And last week we kind of made some, some points, and I wanted to continue that thought. If you're a note taker, look at the screen. You'll see this morning I've got three points that I want to make, and then we're going to get out of here this morning because we have some gospel work to do today. But when God is in the center of our lives, the first thing I want us to look at this morning is we will want to submit to his will. When God is in the center of our lives, we will want to submit to his will. Now, no doubt, for a lot of y'all, you're, you're, you're cool with these, this phrase, to submit to God. But can you imagine going to a sinner, a pagan, a heathen, an atheist, someone who has no respect for the church or for God or for anything religious, that if you were to take that to them and say, you need to submit to God, how do you think that's going to go over with them? It's not well at all. And to be truthful, for most church people, we don't want to submit to God either. Well, Daniel, that's kind of harsh on the people that are, you know, paying tithes. That's kind of harsh on some of the people that are sitting in your pews. Now, here's the thing. We pay tithes sometimes. We sit in the pews sometimes. But I think we're all guilty of not giving our all to God. And that all comes back to submitting. And if we don't submit, it's because Christ is not at the center of our lives. Are you submitting to God today? Some of you are like, well, I submit sometimes. I'm sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning. Good for you. I, I know people that go to football games religiously. I know to some people that they, they go to restaurants religiously. It's Taco Tuesday, folks. The thing is, is we can say that this is making us who we need to be, but honestly, we need more. We need to have God in the center of our lives at all times. When will, uh, when will we will learn this lesson that when God is in the center of our life, we will want to submit to his will. Church, can I tell you a little piece of information about following God this morning? We are following God not on our terms, but on his terms. The world's got it backwards. Ah, you got a world that's trying to redefine sin. They're trying to redefine everything. You know, yeah, it's okay if you do this. It's okay if you do that. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we are in the center of God's will, we're going to find our true happiness. And the only way we can be there is when God is in the center of our lives. I read this week, I know the, the life groups, uh, we're kind of going through uh, Francis Chan, right? And I read this week, Francis has decided to go back to the mission field with his family to Asia. I think they're going to Myanmar or somewhere like that, but they're going overseas and, and, and one of the things, and I thought this was interesting, and I, I just kind of want us to, to chew on this for a minute this morning, not to lift Francis up, because, man, he's just doing what God's told him to. 
He's just a man who has God in the center of his life, and God's saying, go. A guy who has influence in our nation, who has, you know, multiple books that he's written. He's pastored a mega church. He speaks in prestigious places, right? You would think, well, this guy needs to stay here and keep doing what he's doing. But one thing that Francis said, he says, I kind of feel like a guy who's fishing in a pond where there's a bunch of other fishermen. And our, and our lines are all getting tangled up. And he says, I'm that guy, and I'm looking over here, and there's a pond that's full of fish, and I need to go throw my line in that pond. It doesn't make sense by our standards. But when you're in the will of God, sometimes things we do don't make sense by what we think's right. And so he's going, and he's going to go throw his line in a pond where it says that people are biting on the first, you know, the first cast. Now, church, I think a lot of times we, we kind of find ourselves doing that. We're, we're all kind of fishing the same ponds at all times, right? That's what I like about the Hoosier One campaign. It's not well, let's go hit the south side of town or the east side of town or whatever. No, you're going and you're reaching people that are in your circle, people that I'm not casting maybe to right now. I like that because there's a whole world that's lost and needs Jesus, amen? And that when we go forth, man, we're not going forth weekly, you know, as a weak person, I should say. We're going forth in power. The Holy Spirit sends us forth in power, it's not a weak thing when you go to witness to someone. And I've experienced this recently. And Greg, maybe I've forgotten sometimes that, that how powerful that my God is. That when you sit down and, and sometimes people will call me and they say, Daniel, I need to pray. And I'm like, man, I'm not a counselor. And so I'll make it clear. Hey, guess what? I'm not a counselor, but I'll tell you someone who will heal you. Counseling is a good thing in this world. Amen. We need counselors. We need therapists. With that, those are good things. But let's not neglect God. That God must be in the center of our lives. That we follow him. And when God is in the center of our lives, we are going to be willingly submitting to his will. Don't be like the rest of the world. He says, well, you know, the world's saying this, that, and the other. It doesn't matter what the world's saying. What matters is what God says. Are you submitting to the will of God today, church? And if you're not, Back to that point, probably, and I'm going to say more than likely God is not in the center of your life. The second point I want us to look at this morning is when God is not in the center of your life, we will be blessed in all that we do. Now that first point, kind of heavy, right? You got to submit to God. Well, we have to submit to God because he's the one that's ultimately in control. It makes sense. But people don't want to hear that. Well, I think everybody probably wants to hear this one. If you have God in the center of your life, God is going to bless you in all that you do. Is that good news? Some of you are like, yeah, that's good. You ought to be excited about that. That all I got to do is put God in the center of my life, and he's going to bless everything. Now, doesn't mean he's going to make you a millionaire. God's sole purpose in this life is not to have you in the newest car or the biggest house. Right? Some of y'all don't agree to that. Does God bless us nice vehicles and big houses? Sure. Praise God. All bless. Like God's main point in the lives of humans today, to make sure you're driving a fancy vehicle or having a big house or got big rings on your finger or whatever. That's not God's sole desire for. It's not His only desire. You know what God wants for you? He wants you to love Him. He wants you to follow after him. When Jesus went to his disciples, he said, follow me. 
And I think we maybe forget this, that when Jesus was going around and he's telling these guys to follow him, you know what he was telling them? Hey, quit your job and follow me. Quit working what's been, you know, so, uh, such a good thing for you because it's fed you all these years. Leave something that you've set up and follow me. Church, I think it's time that we begin to be people who are following after God in that kind of way. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job. You might need it. But God might be telling you. I don't know. But the thing is, is that we need to, to abandon all the things in our lives that hold us down. You know, honestly, when Jesus called his disciples, those jobs held them there. They were fishermen of what? Of one area. That's where, that's where they fished. They were all right there. Or they were, they were a tax collector. If they were a doctor, when he called them, they were kind of stuck to those areas. But when he truly called them to follow them, they went out and they did stuff they couldn't even imagine. Where once they fished for fish, now they're what? Fishing for men. Where once they're taking up you know, taxes to a government, now they're blessing the, the poor and the, and the homeless and those that had lost people in their life. They're blessing people like that. Instead of just being a doctor, some of them went out and healed people. Some of them went out and they touched people. We read in scripture where they would pass by people and just the shadow off of the jobs where these people would be healed. You see, church, we're t we just look at the gospel and we're just kind of like, well, I want to be saved and I just, I just don't want to go to hell. And that's like as far as we take it. And God's like, there's so much more. There's so many more pawns out there. There's so many more people who need you to talk to them about God. So when God is in the center of our lives, we will be blessed in everything that we do. And I think God blesses us in a lot of ways, but let's think about the church for a moment. When God's in the center of our church, does God bless it? We see it. I look at finances, God's blessing it. I look at, I look at you know, for instance, Operation Christmas Child, another plug. Be here tonight, church. There should be this many people here tonight to pack boxes. But when we come here to pack these boxes, we're not just sending toys. The gospel's going with them. So we need to be people as we're packing them, we're actually praying too, right? You can pray out loud, sure. But if you just, while you're packing it, just, you know, ask God would bless this toy or bless this piece of soap or whatever, you know. To use those things in order that people might know the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's God blessing us in everything that we do. That's God blessing you in your jobs. You guys that are, you know, out there, maybe you're a manager at your job or something like that. That God blesses you in such a way that even in your job, you're blessing other people. Which, by the way, I spoke with a person this week about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the only reason they came to me is because of how I, I conducted myself several years ago. <laughs> what you do matters, guys. I mean, that was the whole reason. I've come talk to you because I saw how you acted then, and I want to talk to you now. And I said, well, God wants to talk to you now, too. Man, it's just amazing. This, this whole, this whole, uh, who's your one? It's like God just keeps throwing these fish out in front of me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Let's catch them. Let's go. Let's, let's see God do big things. Are, are you tired of mediocre? Are you tired of ne have never led someone to Jesus? I think probably in our church today, there are people who have never led another person to the Lord. And I don't want you to feel bad about that. I want you to say, you know what? I want to do that. Now, I'm about to do something crazy here in two weeks. I'm about to run a marathon. Insane. I, you know, I, I've taken on this, you know, 
I paid an entry fee. But I've taken on this huge thing in my life, you know, to go run a marathon. And there's anxiety involved in this. There is. I'm running yesterday, and I'm just like, Lord Jesus, what have I done, you know? What, what, what is this about? Why would you do this to yourself? Well, guys, that's, that's, this is a worldly example, right? Because here's what's happening through me training sometimes for, for a, a marathon, right? You know, watching what I eat and, and going and doing runs and stuff like that. It, it's, it's developing me. It's making me a better person because I spend a whole lot of time thinking about God. And I spend a whole lot of time, if I'm running down the road, think, praying for you guys. Now, that's just a silly thing, right? But can you imagine if we had that kind of ferocity when it comes to telling people about Jesus? You know, it's good that we get close to the Lord, but man, we need to be drawing other people to the Lord too. And it's all about putting Christ in the center of our lives. And when we do that, we're going to be willing to submit to the will of God. We're not playing on our own field here. We have not set the rules up today. This is, this is what God has done. This is his plan. And, and it doesn't matter if I think this sin is a sin or not. What God says is what he says. And it's what he means. And it's what's true. And so we, as believers in Jesus Christ, we seek to know and to submit to the will of God and then when we do that, we start doing things that are in the will of God. And you know what? God blesses the stuff that he's doing. You think God wants the world saved? I know he does. Scriptures teach us that. It's his desire that everyone, so much that he sent his son Jesus to die at the cross of Calvary that all people might know him. That's, that's the plan of God. Man, I'm not out here telling bad news to people. You know? I'm not out here telling bad news to people. I remember when I was working for DHS and you'd show up at somebody's house and you had to do things, you know, because they weren't being good parents. And you'd show up and you'd just be like, and sometimes my heart would hurt for them. Most of the time it didn't because I'm like, be a parent. But, you know, I would show up at these houses and I would, I would feel bad, you know, that these, these people were not being good. But we're not showing up to people's houses like a DHS person. We're bringing them life, Right? DHS brought life to. That's a whole other thing. But you see what I'm saying? I'm not just showing up and just giving you bad news. I'm showing up as a believer in Jesus Christ to show you that today could be your day of salvation. That today could be the day that you know Jesus. We've got to get on fire for the Lord, church. It's good we pack boxes. It's good that we go out and feed people. It's good that we do these things. But it's time that the church starts telling others about Jesus. That we need to be people who do that. That we're not just saying we believe there's power in it, but we go forth in power. We say, man, you need to know my Jesus. God will bless that. God will bless our givings. God will bless, you know, when you guys give. I, the thing is, is I, you know, Joni and I, we, we give to things, right? Like our money goes places. We budget it for this, that, or the other. You know, you're buying this, you're buying that for a ministry or the church or whatever. That's what we do. That's like how God is, has, has talked to our hearts. And so we do that. And it's more than 10%, by the way, okay? 10% is a good starting point, but I think God, the thing is, is that as, as we have just surrendered more and more of our money to the Lord, he continues to bless us more and more. I'm not saying I'm rich. You guys, I mean, I drive a Traverse, you know? I mean, it's not like I'm out here cruising around in some, you know, huge truck or something like that, right? But God blesses me. He's blessed me with my family. He's blessed me with you guys as a church. 
I feel a lot. I feel really sorry for some of my pastor friends because they're man. They deal with people, and I'm like, I don't know. We just, we just love Jesus. We just love Jesus, and, and I think a lot of it is is because as a church, your church leadership has Christ in the center of their lives. They're submitting to the will of God. They're seeing the will of God come to fruition, and so everything that we're doing is being blessed by God. Well, guys, look at this last part. When God is in the center. We will see God glorified in the lives of those around us. We'll see God glorified in the people around us. That, that's, that's people you never thought would accept Jesus. That's people who are hungry right now that because we love God and we listen to his will, we're going out and giving them food. Or we're sending the gospel around the world because we know that there are nations where Jesus is not even spoken of. Jolie was talking about this past week that she spoke with some people on her campus and they were kind of bad-mouthing Christianity and all this. And I think she said she went to her room. I don't want to tell her testimony, but it, was, it blessed me. She goes back to her room. She, she does like a lot of us do, right? We hear people, you know, with questions, really. They're, they're criticizing Christianity, but really they need answers. They need educated. And so she goes to her room, and God was like, get back down there. And so she goes back down there, and she's like, hey, I, I don't mean to, like, pry, but I heard what you were saying. Do you guys have any questions? I'm a Christian. Can I tell you what we believe? Those are doors that we miss sometimes. You know, today there, there's, there's a couple students at NSU who, are, who understand who Jesus is. Did they accept Christ that day? No, but they might. It, they, and they might come to you, Jolie. Be ready, right? You see them around. <laughs> but the thing is, is that when Christ is in the center of our life, we're able to see other people blessed. I, I don't know about you, but I want that. I want to see other people blessed. I want to see you as a congregation blessed. I want to, I want to be able to see you guys like step up and, and be proclaimers of the gospel. I want, I want to see some of y'all like, like go out into the world and influence people in positive ways because that's what this world needs. The truth of the matter, guys, is that the revival that America needs could start right here in this house. It could start right here, right now. We got a lot, lot more people than 12. We have a whole lot more people here. And I believe God wants to send us forth from this place. But first, <laughs> back to the point, right? Let's get to the basics here. God has to be at the center of our lives. He has to be right here. He's not, he's not something we put on a shelf and we, we talk to him sometimes. He's in the center. He's, he's, he's our focus. He's, he's how we judge every decision in our world. It's through him. That instead of just making these rash decisions with our life, First, we go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we say, God, what is your will here? I submit to your will. And then we do his will and then we see that his will is blessed and because of that, other people are blessed. Church, that's, that's, a, great, that's a great sermon in short, right? I could have just sent y'all home with those points there and just say, hey, think about this this week. If you wrote these down, write them down. Take them home. Think about them. Apply them. Use them. It's a great thing in taking notes. A lot of people, people ask, times people, they'll ask me, well, what do I need to do like, like to grow in my faith? I was like, you need to get you a notebook and take notes. <laughs> How many of y'all hear a good sermon note and you, never, you don't write it down and you forget it? It's a, great, it's a great point, right? Maybe you're listening to radio or you're listening to your amazing pastor, Daniel, you know, and he says something and it sticks. And then you go home and you, what did he say? I can't remember. So, so then you're getting on live stream and you're like, but you're trying to find it. You're like, I don't remember what time in the service that was or whatever. But the thing is, is that if we're writing it down, I think that that helps us. 
I'll encourage you guys to be a student of the Word of God. Not just so you can say, man, look at all these notebooks I've had over the years. No, the point is, is that that's a way that you're putting God in the center of your life. God, I value the words that someone else has spoken to me so much, I'm going to write it down so that I can remember it. But God needs to be in the center of our lives. He needs, he needs to be right there. In closing this morning, I think about... Uh, I think about this whole running thing, and it's just, it's crazy, and it's overwhelming at times, but if, if I said, and I've just figured this out, on my phone, it, it keeps tabs of, like, my times and everything, and, like, yesterday, I ran kind of just, like, an easier pace, you know, and, and I wasn't trying to kill myself at it. I was just like, all right, let's just see how, how far I could get in X amount of time, and that'll, it kind of makes me feel better about the actual race day. Like, if I can do this, and I know during the race day, I'll be fine. So I did that yesterday, and, and I'm running, but the whole time I'm, like, running, and I've got a fancy pouch that somebody in the congregation bought me that I put all my stuff in, and it holds my water and my, my energy stuff and, you know, all that fun stuff. But I, I can stick it in there, and it's a, it's a fanny pack, okay? But I, but I put it on, and, and, I, and I'm running, and, and I, but instead of putting the phone in the, the design pouch that it's designed, you know, to get away from, I'm sitting there the whole time running, and, like, 30 seconds. I'm like, oh, I got to speed up, or oh, I need to slow down. I'm sitting there pacing myself, and I was struggling. Like, it was hurting. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be here. And so finally, I stuck it in there. I was like, forget it, and I just ran. I focused on a goal. I knew I had to go from point A to point B, and I just focused on that goal, and my run went so much easier because I wasn't focusing on every, all these other factors. All I focused on was the goal. And church, our goal needs to be God in our lives. Focus on him. Amen. Your goal should be God. Your goal should be Christ in your life. You focus only on him and you go for it. Church, there's nothing that can stop us. I was thinking this week, you know, you know what fear is? Fear is a thought. That's it. We, we, don't, we, we don't go out and we don't evangelize because maybe we're fearful. Fear is a thought. You know what the gospel is? The gospel is a power force that goes out and changes lives. Take the gospel to the world, church. Quit being ruled by a thought and go forth by a truth. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Lord, thank you for our, uh, our veterans who are here today worshiping you. Lord, thank you for this, this time of uh, remembrance and, and, and thanking them as a church, God. And I thank you for those who put that together. But Lord, I, I pray today that we will be people who put you first in our life. That you're in the center of our lives. And, and, and Lord, that affects how we look at things. And so we become people who are willing to submit to your will. And because of that, we begin to, to do things that are in your will. Lord, we begin to, to seek out the positive things in life, the things that you're, you're drawing us to. And, and then we see that you bless those things. God, you don't send the church forward to preach the gospel and then not bless us, but then you bless those works. Because of that, people's lives will be blessed. Father, we thank you for the story of David. And he was just beginning to, to get closer to you, Lord. And he's, he's wanting to put down roots. And he was wanting to build uh, this, this place for you. And Lord, that was your desire all along, was that you would just be the king of the nation. But, but Lord, we're thankful for this story, that the king himself, the, the king that you set up, was willing to make you king over all. Through this line, we know that Jesus came. Through this line, we know that people can be saved. That the gospel 
It's a powerful message to all the world. Lord, would you be with our one today? Father, would you solidify in our hearts this desire to tell that person about you? Help us to use these books, Lord, to grow in our ability to reach others. Because, Lord, we know that there are many in our community and in our lives that need you as their Savior. Lord, today, if there be anyone today in this place who does not know you, Father, would you draw them today? Help them to overlook fear, overlook what people might think, but may they come down here. And Father, if there are believers here today who have not submitted to believers' baptism, Father, would you, would you talk to them in, in, in the only the way that you can through your Holy Spirit, Lord? Would you, would you convict them, Lord, to follow you with their whole life and not just part of it? To make that public profession of where they stand in you. God, would you send believers here today out 